Hello, I'm Krasno Jeffries, and my, well, I was going to say co-host to make myself sound better, but this is also William Stonehill with me today. Hello, uh, I'm the director of this podcast. I and, know, uh, I was going to make it funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's um, okay. Anyway, we're here to talk about, I figured we'd do a two-part series on the, an integral part of the Storyverse world. Yeah. Sounds good to me. You see, most universes like Storyverse have two, one main species. Yep. Like uh, wizards or elves or... But Storyverse is a little bit different. They had the main species broken into two camps, authors and interpreters. Yes, tell me more. Authors and interpreters have different power sets. Interpreters manipulate the energy of stories, while authors write and control the stories they write. Okay. So would you say the authors are more powerful than interpreters? More physically powerful normally. Yeah, because they have a greater spectrum because they can write their own stories? Well, basically their wellsprings is, look at it this way. An interpreter is like a glass jar. Mm-hmm. Our author is like a glass, is like a well filled with water. Yeah. And overflowing with water. Okay. While an interpreter is like a water fountain that can shoot water out in any way it likes. Right. Oh, okay, then. So you'd say they both have their own strong characteristics. They have very strong characteristics. Oh, that's good. So if you had to choose... I'd choose to be an interpreter. Of course you would. You'd... What would you choose? Also I, interpreter? Do you know, I'm going to say interpreter as well. I believe there's more freedom in interpreter where I feel like I, if I had to write stories all the time, I would get sick of it. Like in order to get a power to be able to write something like, what if you what if you have a mind blank? Wait here, writer's block. There goes your power. Or you can't get new powers, but you can use existing powers. No, I suppose that works too. So should we talk about what makes authors and interpreters possible, the things on their fingers? Yeah, sure, let's do this. Binding rings. Binding rings. So tell me more about binding rings. Binding rings are basically rings of power that under ordinary circumstances don't hold much power at all. But when connected to an author or interpreter through their fingers. Yeah. They become a lot more powerful very, very quickly, if that makes sense. Okay. Because they grant them special abilities. What kind of special abilities? We discovered that. Well, I'll go, you know what authors can do? They can do anything in any of the books they've written. Yeah. So should we go across the individual strengths of the two subspecies? Ah, uh, sure. For our new listeners, it'd be great for them to chime in and hear about it. Cool. So, do you have any questions about authors? We'll start with. How do they find out if they're authors or interpreters? Well, authors, you know, they're. Are you born into being an author? You. That's the. Di- it's not born. You kind of. Either you've written a collection of stories and that's your power of authorstry. Yeah. Unless you're an encaster author who just writes stories for the sake of it. Okay. But an interpreter grows up around a connection to fictional works. Oh, right, yeah. So it 
They should be very volatile styles. And can you ask me a bit about the strengths and weaknesses of them? Okay, what is the what would you say the biggest strength of being an author would be? Well, I'd say it's the most versatile arsenal of almost if you do it right, it's the most versatile arsenal of any character. Yeah. And well, you can pretty much be using one fighting style one minute and if that doesn't work here to the point, you can use a whole other. Yeah. But another strength is if you fought one author, you fought one author, you don't have universal strength. Or maybe their biggest strength would be like a, you can write anything. Like if you wrote, you could write someone with complete mastery of reality or someone with the power to wipe out entire universes with a snap of their fingers. Okay. So what would you say their biggest weakness would be? Their biggest weakness? Of course, their binding rings. Yes. I mean, if you catch the wrong author in the wrong time with the wrong weakness, in the wrong, using the wrong power with the wrong weakness, you can kill them like that. Uh Uh-huh. But it has to be a very unique set of circumstances for every individual. But the universal weakness, like, uh, let's say Superman was fighting an author. Yeah. Right? He'd be in combat and he'd... And unless he realized their weakness, he may not actually win. Like, uh, let's use J.K. Rowling as an example for this scenario. She would be using energy ball. She would be using spell after spell after spell. And well, she'd be using things like a Pegasi and maybe hiding as best rules. And then, but let's you maybe an author, maybe you'll do Stanley as an example. Like, he could use any character from Marvel Comics, but... Yeah. If he was using... But if Superman figured out he could just crunch his hands and the rings would break and then lose all his powers, what would he do? Right? I suppose that's true. So ask me about interpreters now. Alright, tell me more about interpreters. Why are they your favourite? Well, they're kind of interesting. Well, the starters, they're some, they've got some interesting powers. They're the only known being in the Storyverse world that can enter stories. And even when you're using an alternative method, you're using normally using their hair or some kind of body part. Ew. <laughs> so they've got to have something magical on them in order to enter the story? No, they have to just have binding rings. Okay, okay. But interpreters have a wide variety of uh, different, mag- abilities. Yeah, different abilities. Magical yeah. abilities, I was going to say. Uh, let's look at our main two, Tessa and Snow, for an example. They're the perfect counterbalance to each other because Snow is all offense and Tessa is all defense. Yeah. Like, no, his mark, like, interpretation, it's not a whole bunch of different spells you're learning. It's one big, powerful spell mm-hmm. that you can use for a lot of different things. And, well, Tessa, she's more subtle and goes for more targeted attacks, while Snow is plain brute force. 
Okay. Cool. Snow can... Huh, snow uses mountains of ice, whilst Tessa can use attacks of lightning so delicate they can beat someone from... on beat one person in the crowd from on top of the building. All right. And Tessa... Tessa has a variety of other attacks, such as her reality strike and story fire. Mm-hmm. But it's actually actually a really deadly, actually a really deadly thing to learn. And they can enter stories. And not only that, but they can use a character's powers by holding their book. All right, okay. In theory, if they entered the storyverse and came up against a character, they could use the power of that character. Or copy it, at least. I suppose that would work, wouldn't it? Now, let's go back to authors for a moment. Yeah. Actually, let's stick with interpreters. Why do you want to be an interpreter if you got the choice between the two? I know, the ability to enter story sounds pretty good. Like, I've many read many, many stories in my life, and I've always wished, oh, do you know what? I, if I was in here, I would do this, I would do that. Yeah, and you know with everything. The, yeah, with the ability to jump into a story, who could resist? Resist what? The ability. Who could resist that ability? That's exactly. one of the main reasons why I want to be an interpreter. Yeah. Because authors, like... Let's use Dragon Ball. You like Dragon Ball, right? I do love Dragon Ball. Saiyans have to learn new transformations and train really hard to get stronger. That's correct. Authors just have to write new books. Yeah. But they also have to learn how to use the powers from that book. Like, it's a power they haven't used before. It might not be the same. Yeah, exactly. It might not be the same as if an experienced character used it. So it's writing new stories, adjusting to the story, then writing another story and adjusting to that story. Yeah. And basically building a wide story-based arsenal. It doesn't matter where you are or what dimension you're in, you can always access your authorstry powers. Not something that can be blocked off easily. Does that make sense? That's true. And well, and well, do you have any questions for me about authors or interpreters? Hmm, I had one, so I'm tip my tongue now. Okay. But while we're at it, well, until I remember, uh, I suppose, what gave you the inspiration to come up with authors and interpreters? Oh, that's interesting. You see, my original idea for Storyverse was just to have people with marks on their hands, basically. Mm-hmm. And while the mark on your hand you could use to open a written work, a lot less powerful than an interpreter. Yeah. But really, I wrote interpreters in first, and the author that came in the store, that was enough. The authors first started existing when the dark author from the Red Council came into the comic book store. If that makes sense. It does make sense. That's when authors first became a reality. 
there were no authors before I decided to give that character the power of author streak. Yeah. Oh. That's really cool, though. Oh. And interpreters, obviously, is because you've always really wanted to jump into a story, correct? Yeah, what well, every nerd's dream, basically. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely true. And look at this. Look at it this way. Who would? Pay, how much would you pay to go into a single story? A lot of money. Exactly. An interpreter can make a lot of money by paying for people to go into stories. Mm-hmm. We see once we get a bigger fan base, we're gonna have to do a, a poll, do a vote for who would want to be who would want to be what, and see who really wins in the argument, won't we? We will. We will. That'd be interesting to see our viewers get in the action and try to tell us which one they would like to be. It would be. It'll have to be an everlasting poll. That's right. Because the opinion is always changing. That is true. Because sometimes I've wanted to be an author and sometimes I've wanted to be an interpreter. There's really no way. Should we talk about me a bit about one of the main characters about William? Let's talk about William. Interpreter envy. He does have interpreter envy, doesn't he? There's also author envy. It's a powerful force. It's well. Can you tell our viewers a bit about interpreter envy? Well, I believe it's because, you know, the person themselves is jealous of the fact that you can just go and use any story available. You can go up to a new shelf and just pick up any book, really, and just read. And being an author, that would make me jealous if I was because I don't have the ability to walk up to a random book, it's grab it, and go. It's exactly like, like that. It's like you envy the person. It's a primal envy. Okay. That's the best way I can describe it. But I can say that a lot of people envy William in his way as well. They do, but, well, a lot of people, especially in the later books, really like to be him. Yeah. And look up to him. Just like every member of the main cast. That's true. But... The green. Uh, I don't know how hard he has it. He has two best friends that are interpreters, and they that only makes his interpreter envy worse. And on yep. top of that, he has racial guilt about being a highborn author, and he had to overcome the life spinner curse. Yeah, yeah, he's had a lot of troubles over his lifespan. That poor boy. Yeah. But even though he has had his struggles, he has found such a strong will to live and a strong sense of friendship and love over the whole time that he's had to deal with this. Yep, he has. Which just, I think, makes him stronger as a person. Should we go back to uh, the author-interpreter thing? I've actually had a concept for a while about a character with author envy, the other side of the spectrum. Okay, okay. Basically, they're pretending to be an author by putting a USB stick in a bracelet. Oh, that's not good. So they can use the powers from the USB stick. And you know where they get the stories from that USB stick? Where? The Ever Library. 
Oh, yep, the Ever Library, the big giant Ever Library. Exactly. Nearly every single book that's ever been written or read. No, not any single book that you've ever read. Oh, not the dark books. Anything the that... dark books are hidden in the cool area. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know where the dark books are in the Ever Library, but they'd be there. You think they'd well, be there? They would be there because not only every story that's ever been written, but every story that could ever or could have ever been written. Ah. That's why Time Punch is different in the other library. Every month, basically, every single moment takes place at once. Yeah. If you walked past yourself, if there was an air, look at it this way. Imagine the walk back and from school. You take every day for approximately 12 years. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, uh, four for high school. Yeah. And, well, the walk you take to high school, it would be every time you walk back and forth, there you would be. Yeah. You would see yourself every time you walk back and forth from high school. That would get irritating, wouldn't it? It would, but the other <laughs> library is practically infinite. Ah. So, I trust the thing like, you have to go now, don't you? I do, unfortunately. So, that is all I have time for today. I'm sorry, That's but okay. I'll see you next week for part two of this series. Part two, and we'll do a bit, bit longer one for our viewers. We shall. It would be great. But thank you for listening, and goodbye for now.